Good evening, everybody. Hey, I want to thank you for allowing me to um, have some time with you tonight. This has been a really cool journey for us just to be able to watch and see what God is going to do and what God has done. And um, you want to know the coolest thing for us is that this is not even remotely over, <laughs> that this is all uh, setting a stage for what God has. And I know that you folks have spent um, months and months and months investing your time and your energy and your resources, and you've committed to things and you've done things beyond what you thought you would ever have to do in order to do this. You've watched as the enemy has come in and he's tried to stop. He's tried to put roadblocks. He's tried to confuse. He's tried to frustrate. And you've pushed through those things. But I need you to understand something, okay? This is just the beginning of what God has, all right? From the very moment when Pastor Jim bought this obscure piece of property over in nowhere, Centerton, Arkansas, to the moment when you cut a ribbon in just a few weeks, we're believing, and move into that building, this is just setting the stage for what God sees, all right? We see in part, he sees in whole. And I want you to be encouraged. I want you to recognize you're there. You're doing what God has created you to do. You, for this point in history, okay, have been entrusted with the health, the life, the vitality of, of, of New Song Church, okay? You've been entrusted. You're, you're, you're carrying that torch, and God has trusted you with that, and you've done it. You've done it. Now it's exciting that we get to look and say, okay, God, this is just the warm-up act, and we recognize that you have something amazing. So what I want to encourage you to do, throw all of your weight, throw all of your support, throw all of your confidence in what God is doing in this church. Follow his leading, and I can promise you that you will see things that you will look back in five years, and you'll say, holy smokes, how did we accomplish that? How in the world did that come from our church? How were we able to walk that path and that journey? And God is going to do that through you. So don't quit. Don't stop. Don't give up. Don't, don't, don't retreat because God has something great for you. Amen? Do you believe that? All right. Well, I'm going to take just a few minutes and talk with you tonight um, because I believe that God has a word for all of us. Do you believe that? Here's what I can promise you. You can leave this room today different than you walked in this room i can promise you that and it has nothing to do with me it has nothing to do with the great worship team it has nothing to do with the cool songs it has nothing to do with nathaniel back there rocking the computer none of that is going to be the reason that you will be changed tonight it is simply through the direction the leading and the power of the holy spirit you can walk out of this room different than you came in but i can't give that to you i i would like to i would like to be able to orchestrate something that would be so impressive and something that would be so out, outrageous that you would just walk out of here just mesmerized. But I can't give you that. What I can do is I can be obedient. I can speak the words that I believe God is asking me to speak. And then it's up to you. Then it's your choice. You get to choose whether God does something amazing or whether you leave just the way you came in. You have to choose that, all right? How many of you know that when we make choices, there are consequences to our choices? Here's our challenge. When we walk into a church service, the Holy Spirit does something and we leave the same. Every time we do that, we're building a little more of a callus to what God is trying to do. How many of you have calluses on your hands from working hard, right? Right? Maybe you have calluses on your hands from playing an instrument. Every time we walk out of a church service and God has done something and we leave the same as we came in, what we're doing is we're building up calluses. And those calluses won't allow us to feel and sense and recognize the Holy Spirit. So I want to challenge you tonight. 
I want to challenge you to be open to what God has to say to you. All right. And it may not come through one word that I speak. It may have maybe he has already spoken to you through the time of worship. Maybe he's spoken to you through the the time that, that Pastor CJ was talking about. Hey, this is what God is doing. And, and that is great. All right. But I want to challenge you to, to grasp what it is that the Holy Spirit wants for you tonight. Can we do that tonight? All right. Now, I was in a conversation with somebody a few weeks ago, and we were talking about life before the Internet. How many of you remember life before the Internet? All right. Three of you. Exactly. So it was that it's that point where where um, you still had to look at a magazine, right, or a catalog to order something. You remember that? You looked through and you had to mark in there, I want one quantity, and then you wrote your check and you put it in there and you sent it in and then what? You waited for like seven months. By the time it got there, you completely forgot what you ordered because it took so long to get there. How about the time when, when, when you wanted to know something and you had to go to the library, uh, you know, that's the big building with all the books, just to research something just to find out. You, under, you remember that time before the internet? But now, thanks to Al Gore, right? All we do is we, we type <laughs> it into our search engine and suddenly the world is at our fingertips right that's the way our world works isn't it but let me ask you something about the internet okay how many of you are familiar with the internet we all kind of have a grasp how many of you have a smartphone right there right so how many of you have ever been searching for something on the internet you know maybe you're searching for the oil capacity of your car maybe you're looking for a new recipe for dinner tonight maybe you're looking for a cool deal on the the latest iphone how many of you saw those came out right so we're all doing our research figuring out how we're going to get those but how many of you have ever been on the internet searching for something and suddenly up pops a picture right maybe it's a picture of this this like bulging gym rat right he's got these ma massive muscles and 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 on on there there's a link to the, the latest workout video right or maybe this beautiful woman pops up in the middle of your search for for meatloaf recipe or whatever you know and she, this this lady pops up and on there there's this link to you know find your soulmate and and it gives you a link to to, to go to your uh, you know your own shopping center for your own bulgarian beauty right you've never you never seen any of that all right but you weren't searching for these things, were you? All you wanted was a way to make your meatloaf a little less torturous, right? Where your family doesn't look at it and say, wow, that's great, mom, <laughs> right? You were just looking for something simple, something to help you to walk through that night or to, to find the oil capacity in your car and up pops this picture and you had no desire to look at that picture. You had no desire to search for those things, but now it started your mind to thinking. So now you're thinking, man, I kind of let myself go. Maybe I should order that new workout video, right? I, I, you know, I look at my friends and they look great, right? And I don't look great. Or maybe you're like, I wonder what my soulmate looks like, you know? I mean, where is Bulgaria anyhow? I mean, uh, what, what's, <laughs> what are the shipping charges on that? You know what I mean? Or you're like, I see that TV and it's everything that I've ever wanted. If I just had this TV, my friends would like me again and everything would be great. But we weren't looking for that. We weren't searching for that. It was just something that, that, that innocently pops up and now our mind has shifted gears, right? And I heard one pastor say it like this. Ten minutes ago, you had no idea it even existed. And now you can't live without it, right? Anybody ever been victim of that? right? Ten minutes ago, you had no idea that that thing even existed, but today, it's all you want. It's everything. You have to have this thing. And I bring all of this up because this last winter, I was reading a book. And um, it was a book. It's called Walking with God by John Eldridge. Have any of you ever read Walking with God by John Eldridge? 
All right. Get the book. It's fantastic. It's really a great book. But um, I was reading this book, and in the middle of this book, God said, Roger, I want you to grasp this part. All right. Have you ever read a statement and you feel like God, something inside of you says, okay, this is bigger than just this verse. This is just bigger than this paragraph. And God said, Roger, I want you to grasp this. I want you to take time. I want you to dive in. I want you to dig in and figure out what this is all about. And somewhere in the middle, he said, don't skim over this. And it was one of those moments where, um, in all seriousness, it's one of those moments where you know how all of the pieces that just feel so jumbled in your life and then one thing happens and everything, the pieces that were all already there just suddenly click into place. Have you ever had that happen? Where all of the pieces were there, you just didn't know how they fit. You just didn't know what the picture looked like. But suddenly, all of those pieces just kind of click into place and the Holy Spirit reveals something to us in that moment. And God said, Roger, don't let this go. I want you to wrestle this down. And it had something to do with something that I've struggled with pretty much my entire life. Now, my story might be a little bit different than yours, but I grew up in a great family. I grew up in a family where my parents loved me, they supported me, they gave me what I needed. I never wondered if I was loved. I never wondered if my parents were proud of me because they told me all the time. I had a great sister, have a great sister. Um, I grew up in in a house where God was always a high priority. There was never a question of, Are we going to church? Aren't we going to church? Are we going to support the church? Are we not going to support the church? It was an expectation. It was was a lifestyle for us. And I grew up in this home where I never had to wonder about those things. And I always had everything that I needed. My story doesn't include alcohol abuse or drug abuse or it doesn't include running away from God. Not saying that I haven't made stupid mistakes in my life because I have. I've made some really stupid mistakes. But it was never about this pursuit of running from God. It was never about trying to get away. But in case you're not aware of this, the life of following Jesus is not always an easy life. Have you ever noticed that? Anyone in the room ever noticed that that sometimes it's just not the, um, the path of least resistance? Sometimes there's a pushback when we're following Jesus. And not that we're told you can't pray or you can't worship, but there is something inside of us that rises up when God says, this is my my command, this is my expectation, and something in us says, well, that's not what I want. Anybody ever been there? No? Full, a church full of perfect people. I love it. I love it. But here's the deal. The, The life that I have striven to live is like many of you, You strive to live a life that is uh, reflecting of God's character. John talked about it in John chapter 3, verse 30. He said, I want to become less so that he can become more, right? So it's that pursuit of living a life. It's that journey of living a life where it's less and less of Roger's character, less of Roger's behavior, less of Roger's thoughts, less of Roger's attitude, and more of Christ's attitude inside. To the point where people start to say, that guy's a little weird because he doesn't react the way that everyone else reacts. He reacts in a way that is more similar to God. And it's the process we call discipleship, isn't it? We read in 2 Corinthians 5.17, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old is gone. A new life has begun. And again, this new life is a series of decisions. A series of decisions to let go of things. Some of those things are going to be good things. Some of those things are going to be bad things in order that we have the capacity to grab a hold of something new. How many of you know you have to let go of the old 
before you can grab a hold of the new. You have to let go of the old, even though it may be good, in order to grab a hold of the new. So it's this life, it's this pursuit that we have, this process of discipleship is that continual process of letting go of things that we do and know and love in order that we can grab a hold of God's best in our life, in order that we can grab a hold of that thing that God says, listen, you were created for this. I created you for this moment. I created you for this time. I've created you for this purpose. And for me, that process of growth, or at least that expectation of that process of growth has been a part of my life since I was a very small child. There's always been an understanding in my heart that I needed to be a godly man. There's always been an expectation for me that I needed to do what it is that God would do. I needed to behave the way God would behave. I need to do those things that God created me to do. And my story probably reads a lot like yours. There were times where I did really well in that. There were times where I would be walking and my priority in life truly was, am I being a godly man? Am I doing everything that I can to walk this life, to walk this journey in such a way that God would look and say, this is my son, I'm well pleased. But then there were other times in my life where that wasn't such a priority. There were other times in my life where I had desires, I had wants, I had what I thought were needs, and they were my priority. So I would act on those things and I would behave in such a way that I really wasn't concerned whether God liked it or God didn't like it. Not that I was being rebellious or defiant or anything like that. I was just choosing to act independently of God. Does that make sense? I wasn't acting against God necessarily. I was choosing to act independently of God. And can I tell you what that is? That's sin. Sin is when we make a choice to act independently of God. So there were times in my life where this expectation was always, listen, Roger, my expectation for you, that comes from God, it came from my pastors, it came from my parents, it came from my sister, it came from my friends, is that you would live a life that is reflecting of God's character. And there were times I would do great at it, and then there were times where I would do really poorly at it. Obviously, it wasn't a well-thought-out choice, but I made a choice to sin. And it doesn't matter how you break it down, folks. I need you to understand this. When we sin, it is a choice. We don't fall into sin. We don't mistakenly sin. We choose to sin. We choose to act independently of God. Most of the time, it was a knee-jerk reaction. It wasn't some diabolical plan to, to abandon God, to run away, to be, to be something other than God wanted me to. But it was a choice nonetheless. But did you know that choosing to sin, when I made those choices to sin, it didn't take God by surprise? Did you know that? God knew from the very beginning. In fact, Paul talks about it in Romans 3, um, where he says this, everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. But then something unfathomable happened. Jesus stepped into our story. John 3.16 tells us this, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him may not be lost but have eternal life. Did you grasp that? Pastor Roger, we're Wednesday night people. 
Obviously, we get this. This is Christianity 101. We sin. Jesus gave us forgiveness of our sins. Everybody's happy about that. Tell us something new. Give us something good here. But this is what happens. I sin. Willfully make a choice to do the wrong thing. And Jesus steps in and says, Roger, I want to forgive you for that. I want to pay the debt in full of the sin that you chose to commit. I didn't commit that sin, Roger, you did. But I want to forgive you of that sin. And then he says, but there's something else. There's another layer of it, Roger, because here's what I want to do. Not only do I want to forgive you of your sin, but I want to have something else for you. Just so you know that you will never, ever, ever, ever be alone. I want to give you the gift of my Holy Spirit. I want Him to live inside of you in such a way that you will always have a recognition that you aren't alone in the steps that you're taking. You aren't alone in the journey that you're walking. You aren't alone in the sickness that you're suffering. You aren't alone in the journey that you're taking. God said, I want to give you my Holy Spirit. And He's going to walk with you through the practical, everyday parts of your life. The Holy Spirit is going to help you and He's going to show you the direction that I want you to go. He's going to give you the information. He's going to give you the direction that you need to walk the path that's been set before you. He's going to teach you the difference between what is right and what is wrong. And then He's going to give you the courage to make the choice of what is right rather than what is wrong. So not only did I find myself forgiven of my sins, where my sin was paid in full, but I also found this person of the Holy Spirit that was given to me, this gift that was given to live inside of me. But can I tell you what I figured out about myself and what 21 years of pastoring has taught me about you? That we have the ability to make really stupid decisions. Yeah, I've learned that. We have the ability to make some really stupid decisions. We are fully capable of knowing the right thing to do and yet choosing to do the wrong thing. We are fully capable of knowing what's right and choosing to do what's wrong. I've learned that. And it's in this constant battle that Paul talks about in Romans 7 between our sin nature and and that part of us that truly wants to serve God with our whole hearts. And can I tell you an embarrassing number of times we choose sin. We choose to act independently of God. We choose to say, God, I know what you want. I know what your plan is. I know what your will. I know what your expectation is. But God, I really want to do this. And this is really important to me. And God, if you could just see it from my perspective, it would be important to you too. God, if you could just give me the freedom in this moment to do this, you could understand that I would be happy. And Lord, when I'm happy, I'm going to serve you better. And Lord, when I have what I want, then I can have the freedom to give more to other people. I can have the freedom to do this and the freedom to do that. And we're standing there justifying our desire to act independently of God's expectation and God's desire for our life. But it's in these moments when we've chosen sin over righteousness that the Holy Spirit steps in. And He doesn't wink at our sin. How many of you wish God would just wink at our sin sometimes? 
It's going to be all right. I understand. It's no big deal. The Holy Spirit doesn't do that, does he? He doesn't wink at our sin. Instead, he makes us aware of our sin. And John 16 tells us he leads us back to truth. He guides us back to the place of truth. And your enemy, the thief, he hates the Holy Spirit for that. Because what do we know about our enemy? He has three goals, doesn't he? Steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. I want to read you an excerpt from my personal journal. Can I do that? You guys okay with this? This is from Wednesday, January 17th, 2018. It says this, I have been really irritated at how conniving my enemy really is. He has proven strategies of destruction that are so subtle and so well-timed that even people with a great relationship with God get trapped in them. We have to be discerning. I know what God reveals is truth. Sometimes that truth is a correction of character or a conviction of sin. He is not interested in dishing out condemnation, only truth. However, my enemy is quick to take the truth of God, the truth that God is revealing, and attach onto it the condemnation and the guilt, the feelings of worthless character. That is his process of breaking down God's plan of helping us grow and causing us to live a defeated life. The inevitable reality is we are going to sin. God loves us enough to convict us of that sin, to draw us closer to him. The enemy hates us enough to attach his lies to that message of love in order to destroy us and our intimacy with God. This requires me to be discerning. And I can still remember the feeling that I had when I was writing that. How many, if you journal, I need you to, you understand what I'm saying. There are those moments where you're writing something that's like, Lord, this is, this is like a kick in the gut right now. This is one of those moments that is so raw, so deep inside of me that I know that I can't just skim over this. And I remember that feeling. You see, I've always known that the Holy Spirit is actively trying to make me aware of my sin. I am. I have always been. I know that he loves me too much to just allow me to sin over and over and over and over and over again. But for the majority of my life, can you stick with me for just a few minutes? For the majority of my life, that awareness of sin has immediately been followed with feelings of guilt and shame. I know the Holy Spirit throughout my entire life has made me aware of my sin. But throughout my entire life, that feeling of conviction has always been followed immediately with feelings of guilt and shame. A sense of worthlessness brought on by mental conversations that were something like this. Really, Roger? After all all this time, that's the best you have. Great job, Pastor. Really did a great job there. You're so pathetic. And again, it's important that you understand that at least for me, these two very separate, these two very unique events 
happened almost simultaneously. Conviction immediately followed by condemnation. Conviction immediately followed by combination to the point where I was wholly convinced that the condemnation was just an extension of God's voice bringing conviction. Are you with me? Conviction immediately followed by condemnation. And somewhere in my heart, somewhere in my mind, even (laughs) 40 years into following Jesus Christ, I was convinced that that was God speaking to me. That God's default stature with me was a frustrated father shaking his head in embarrassment and in frustration at his son. Now, I know many of you are wondering, well, Pastor Roger, what about Romans 8.1? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But can I tell you something? My experience felt very different from that. Because my enemy had timed his attack so well that even in the midst of doing something that, that, that I knew was wrong, and the Holy Spirit came and he said, Roger, listen, there's a better way than that. I have a better plan for you than that. Let's get back on track. Let's get back on the place where this is your priority, not this. And then immediately, it almost felt seamlessly, the enemy came in with guilt and shame and embarrassment and condemnation and all of those things to where I almost felt, and not almost, where I did feel that God was saying to me, really, Roger, after all this time, that's the best you have. Seriously, Roger? You're pathetic if that's the best you offer to me. And it was like those pop-up ads that happen on the internet. I'm just doing my thing, and suddenly this attachment gets connected to my conversation with God. An attachment that had nothing to do with what God was trying to show, or what God was trying to speak, or what God was trying to reveal. It was an attachment that came from my enemy that was so well-timed that it drove me to a place of conviction, shame, and embarrassment. But that day, through the Walking with God book, the Holy Spirit was starting a thought process. And it wasn't just to expand my biblical knowledge. It was to revolutionize my life. It was to start things over again. It was to set a reset button inside of my life that said, listen, Roger, this isn't truth. What you believe about God at this moment isn't truth. What you think God thinks about you isn't truth. Can I say something to some of you tonight? What you think God thinks about you isn't truth. There are moments where you feel like you're doing great. There are moments when you are just clipping along and you're with God and everything's going great and you can look around and you can see the fruit of that and you feel like, you know what, I'm on cloud nine because I'm living the purpose that God has made me for. And then there are moments where you choose to willfully act in independence of God. And that's just a fancy way of saying there are moments when you sin where you say, God, I know what's right. I'm choosing to do what's wrong. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit loves you so much, He comes in and He says, listen, 
You've made a wrong turn here. Let's just get back on track. Let's just remember that God has a plan that's bigger and it's better. That God has a plan for something more grand than what it is you're experiencing right now. And then the enemy jumped in immediately and he said, you are so pathetic. Look at the people around you. Are they doing that? No. They're way better. They love God more. God loves them more. And inside of your heart and inside of your mind, you begin to paint a picture of God that is that father that's just frustrated and shaking his head. And suddenly, every time we go to God in prayer or every time we hear a sermon or every time we have a conversation with a believing friend, we can't hear what's trying to be spoken because we're too busy in that place of condemnation. Because somehow we believe that it's just an extension of God's voice. But some of you need to know that what you think God thinks about you is false. That God is not shaking his head at you. Now I need you to stop for just a second. This is not about discounting sin. Okay, understand that. And I don't want any of you to leave this room thinking, oh, Pastor Roger said when we sin, it's not a big deal. God doesn't care at all. That is not truth. That is not biblical. That is heretical. All right? If anybody teaches you that, they're lying. God does care when we sin. And he cares so much that he sent you a gift to live inside of you, to bring you to a place of understanding and recognition that your sin has separated you from him. And the Holy Spirit draws you back into that relationship. Where we have to start to have discernment is, where does the voice of God's conviction stop? And where does the voice of our enemy's condemnation begin? Where does the voice of God's conviction stop? And where does the voice of our enemy's conviction begin? Because when we can have the discerning eyes, when we can have the sensitive spirit, when we can have the emotional capacity, the emotional intelligence enough to be able to look inside of our lives, to be able to look inside of our spiritual conversations with God and to discern that point, what we're going to do is we're going to be able to take what God is saying and allow it to lead us back. The loving heart of a father, the loving heart of a God who says, come back, Roger. And then we can discard all of that stuff that says, you are so pathetic. How could you do this, this long, this far into the journey? Look at the people around you. They're not doing those things, but you are. You see, today is not about discounting sin. It's about pulling the curtain back and helping you to recognize that the enemy has a very well-timed strategy to start to break down the security, to start to break down the intimacy, to start to break down the capacity of relationship with your Heavenly Father. And He's so effective with that strategy because He takes men and women who have lo loved God and served God for years, decades, and He causes them to believe that God is just so disappointed in you. What if we could step back and we could recognize 
when the loving voice of our Heavenly Father has stopped and the convicting voice, or excuse me, the condemning voice of our enemy has started. What if we could start to recognize that we don't have to pay attention to those pop-up ads? We don't have to pay attention to those attachments that try to connect themselves to God. John 3.16, everybody knows it. We just read it. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. But sometimes we stop there. The next verse says, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's the message that God is speaking tonight. You see, being a disciple of Jesus isn't about excusing sin. But it's, not also, it's also not about being condemned for our sin. Do you believe that? Or is that just church speak to you? Is that just what I'm supposed to say? Because I can tell you, I listened to a lot of sermons and I had a lot of conversations where people would tell me that exact thing. Oh, you're not condemned because of your sin, but can I tell you my experience felt very different. What I felt inside here, what I felt inside of here was very different than what God was speaking to me. And the greatest tragedies, one of the greatest tragedies in Christendom is how effectively the enemy has painted the Holy Spirit as being something to be feared and ignored rather than someone to be loved and listened to. He attaches his condemnation. He causes God's children to have insecurity inside of that relationship. Where you know what? As long as I'm doing good, as long as I'm perfect, God can love me. But when I fail, God condemns me. And today I need to tell you this, that is false. Your Heavenly Father loves you. He loves you so much that He sent you His Holy Spirit to convict you of sin, to draw you back into that relationship. And it's time that we look at our enemy and say, you have no more right to speak in my life. You have no more authority to define my character and my understanding and my intimacy with my Heavenly Father. You have no authority here. Could you bow your heads today, please? Maybe you're here and you're like, hey, guy, that was fine. You know, Pastor CJ is going to be back this Sunday. We're looking forward to that. Would you please close in prayer so we can go home? Maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. Maybe this doesn't relate to you at all. Maybe this isn't your experience. Maybe you've never experienced that at all. Maybe you've always been, to make, been able to make a clear distinction between when God was convicting and when the enemy took over and started condemning. But my guess is if that's you, you're the minority in this place. Because I think the enemy is very cunning. And I think he has done this trick in the lives of nearly every person in this room because he's sneaky and he's a thief. But for any of you here today that you have a story that's similar to mine, I want to tell you our hope today comes in the reality 
that we're not condemned, but we're forgiven. And when we fail, we have a constant companion in the Holy Spirit that will lovingly lead us back to the path that God intended. And even though the enemy is going to do his best to confuse and to try to convince us that his condemnation is really the voice of God, we can know without doubt that he's a liar. We can know without doubt that his voice cannot be trusted. Lord, we have a room full of men and women who are here, Lord, on a Wednesday night, so obviously they have a desire to know more about you. Lord, they've taken time out of a day that they've already worked and they've come to this place to hear your, vo- to hear your word, to spend time in your presence. But Lord, there are men and women in this room who have been deceived by an enemy. An enemy who's an opportunist. An enemy who has the ability to have such amazing timing that like an attachment on the internet, he tries to attach his conviction and his condemnation onto your leading. Lord, they've been convinced that your voice is telling them that you're disappointed. And it's just not true. So Lord, today I ask for discernment. I pray that you would pour down like a river in this room discernment in the hearts of every person who's attended here tonight. That they would have the ability to recognize that moment when the conviction of the Holy Spirit ends and the condemnation of our enemy begins that they would be able to draw a very distinct line in that sand, Lord, that they would have these spiritual eyes to recognize that moment and that they would be able to say, enemy, you have no authority here. That they would allow the loving heart of a loving God to draw them back into intimacy with you. And they would disassociate themselves from anything that the enemy might try to speak. Give us courage today, Lord, to walk that kind of path. To allow our relationship with you to be redefined. Not as a slave and an indentured servant, but as a heavenly father and a highly valued son and daughter. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. great to to hear him preach again and uh you know i think i think that's so timely i i've thought often about how many times we try to uh, project god's word that we believe it through saying and repeating it but then our actions sometimes don't match up to that and that even goes for the promises of god not always just about the sin but just believing that he loves us we say we know god loves us but sometimes we don't act like he loves us and that even in our even in our, our sin, uh, instead of giving up and throwing in the towel, uh, I, I saw something one time that said, instead of, uh, when, when God's involved, you feel like he's throwing the towel at you, saying, throw in the towel. He's saying, wipe your face off and let's go again. And uh, I think that's a, a, a very fitting.